Hello and welcome to Around the Corner, the Covering the Corner Cleveland Guardians Prospect and Minor Leagues podcast. I'm Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, this was clearly the better of the two intros, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Perfect. You nailed it, you nailed it this time. I think both were, were wonderful, but this one in particular. I mean, just... the, the first one, you know, could have been better. Yeah. We, we all need room to grow. Uh, we have... A little less than two weeks, I think, for each player here on the countdown. And then also in our top five players and in the cupboard, we had some all-star games and all-star breaks hit us. I I noticed something a little unique this year. In previous seasons, it looked, you know, every league had their own all-star game. I don't think they had one. I think the only league that had an all-star game was like the Dominican Summer League. So instead, they just kind of gave everybody like three or four days off. Like just like with the MLB All-Star break. And the only All-Star game other than the Dominican Summer League one was the Futures game, which uh, John Kenty Noel and George Falera appeared in. Neither got a hit, unfortunately. I think they've got some more hits in their future, though. They do. Be fun. Uh, I will say that Noel was severely impressing everyone in attendance during batting practice because he jacked by far the most home runs during batting practice and the furthest ones. It was cool. Uh, We retweeted from the Covering the Corner account. uh, I believe the Guardian's Twitter account posted a picture of where one of them landed. (laughs) Just sort of like, (laughs) yeah, he hit it here. Very fun. Was it out of state? (laughs) It was way back there. It was Stanton land. Okay. Uh, He would have got a bonus. He would have got a bonus, bonus time in the home run derby. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it was, it was 440 plus for sure. But we'll go ahead and kick things off with the top 10 prospects in the system. Brian, do you want to go ahead and lead it off with number one? Yeah, uh, George Valera, who's been our number one guy, had been on fire for about two months straight, finally cooled off. Uh, maybe it was the uh, selection to the Futures game. He felt a little pressure. But over the last two weeks, he played six games. Because uh, uh, I think the Futures game actually happened on a game a day where the minor leagues were still playing as well. So he even got to skip out on that. Um, But over those six games, he slashed just uh, 136, 167, 136. So he had three hits. They were all singles. Still managed to knock in three runs. Had a 33.3% strikeout rate, 4.2% walk rate. Yeah, just nothing really impressive there. One walk, eight strikeouts. So... Very forgettable, but also, you got to remember, extremely small sample size of six games. I wonder if he's ever had a similar six-game stretch before. Because it's entirely possible, like, when he's cold, this is just what it looks like, and then he'll snap back. Yeah, and just for everybody that uh, opposing pitchers, when he does snap back, watch out. Next up, though, we had uh, yet another impressive young man who has been on fire for a month now, Brian Rocchio. He's unstoppable at the moment. He slashed 395, 435, 628 in 11 games. That was good for a WRC plus of 192. Struck out 19.5% of the time or so. Did not feel the need to take walks. He had one. But in those 46 plate appearances, he hit 13 singles, a double, three home runs. Also got hit by two pitches and stole a base. So keep it up. 
monster performance. Like, honestly, it could have been nominated for top five players of the week, but mm-hmm. I was I was kind of looking for five players that we weren't going to get to talk about in otherwise. So, well, and it's it, 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 very close. If we were just going by, say, WRC plus, yes. for example, um, absolutely. Yeah, he, he very could have squeezed in on WRC plus. Now, one thing, listeners, if you want to play a game. Uh, we'll be reading slash lines throughout, and it's interesting to sit and think about uh, how the leagues compare to each other in terms of offensive environment. Slash lines of note this week, and just sort of how contact on base and slugging and everything interact. Uh, we just read the first one for Brian Rocchio at 192. There's another one I'll call out later. Ooh. Yeah, there's there's a couple pretty impressive ones. Um. And uh, next up, we got Tyler Freeman at AAA. Uh, he also, you know, slowed down a little bit. Had a slash of a 205, 276, or 273, 205 over 10 games. So that means that every one of his hits were singles. Minimum he, slug. Yeah. yeah. Although he did have eight singles. So, I mean, he had, uh, he got on base a little bit. Uh, did not strike out that, that much. You know, 13% strikeout rate. Had a 6.8% walk rate, got hit by a pitch, stole two bases. So, you know, even when he's not on fire, I mean, he's still productive. And not making, you know, free outs with uh, just by not even leaving home plate. No, I think it is a really good point that he was not striking out very much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four on our countdown continues to be Daniel Espino. And he, unfortunately, continues to be uh, out of action. Man, I'll tell you what, though, I think it happened right after our, we were, had our last podcast recorded. I had I was following along on Twitter, and all of a sudden I hear, Daniel Espino has been activated on the AA. I just heard it on the broadcast. And I'm like, what? He's there? And I'm just freaking out. I'm retweeting it. I'm looking up everything I can find on Daniel Espino. And then about 30 minutes later, somebody that's like one of the reporters you know, and they're like, how did we get scooped on this? How, how did the Akron broadcast scoop us on this? You know, he's our top pitching prospect. And so they look it up and they're like, oh, Daniel Espino is, has not been activated. He's still in Arizona rehabbing. <laughs> he, 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 shouldn't, he shouldn't be back for another 30 days. Um, it was Daniel Schneeman. <laughs> and the guy misheard him. He had returned <laughs> from being inactive for like a family issue for two days. <laughs> so your your former uh, corner cupboard, Daniel Schneeman, had been re- reactivated. Out there up on to some chaotic a. good. <laughs> <laughs> and and he and accidentally, you know, lit Cleveland Prospect Twitter on fire for about an hour. Oh boy. So, so that <laughs> that's really the only update I have is that that there was a huge fake out that he was back, but he is not. Well, Schneeman, Espino, Potato, Fire Truck. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, if you're you're really hoping for Espino <laughs> I, and you yeah. hear Daniel Schneeman, maybe. <laughs> I'm I'm certain that in this in this scenario there wasn't any maliciousness. No, no one was trying to do no. anything wrong. It's just we get a little excited. It was here. it was funny though. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, next up, we've got Gabriel Arias. Uh, looks like he spent this entire time back down at AAA and. Looks like he's uh, starting to settle in a little bit. It's an interesting line. He ended up 
batting 250 with an on base of 294 and a 438 slugging percentage. That was good for a WRC plus at AAA in the Eastern League. No, that's AA. The International League. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> of 92. It was with a 32.4% strikeout rate, and he didn't walk a ton as he only drew two, but he still ended up doing damage when he made contact and made it count. Yeah, two home runs I saw. Mm-hmm. And he did steal a base. So just right now with uh, the way that Arias has been kind of struggling this season with injuries and, and consistency, I'm happy with him being league average for a, a week and a half because – I think that that's just a, a good sign that he's starting to figure it out a little bit. Like, yeah. Cle- Cleveland called him up at the worst time. I mean, he had literally only been activated for a couple days. He had just barely faced triple A pitching. Mm-hmm. He had no business helping out Cleveland in the major league level and facing major league pitchers at that moment. It was time. tough. It, it was, I think, bad for his development. Well, this is where... I think a guy who's going to play Major League Baseball needs to learn how to take a day like that on the chin and then go back, get to work, and I'm sure he's got some homework assignments from those incidents. So like, I am i haven't given up on him in any sense of the word. I know he's not my chosen heir apparent at the moment for shortstop or whatever, but he's a very talented player, and hopefully he continues, like you said, to just sort of settle in and find his rhythm again. It's about how you play the game, ultimately. So he just needs to get there. And then next up, we've got great news in terms of Nolan Jones. Called up for his Major League debut, and it has gone extremely well. He just continues to hit. Yeah. I'm going to let you read him. (laughs) So at the Major League level, and, and this is after, you know, cooling off a little bit his last couple games before the All-Star break. Um, he still is slashing 333, 455, 519 um, with a WRC plus at the major league level of 176, uh, sporting a 471 BAPIP, strikeout rates 27.3%. But here's where I'm really happy. Walk rate. 18.2%. Really, really nice to see that immediately At the major league level. Such a good sign. That is an incredible sign. Um, And he played 10 games so far, 27 at-bats, 33 plate appearances, has two doubles, crushed his first home run, scored four runs, knocked in nine. He's actually set a a rookie record for Cleveland, I think, the most runs batted in in their first four or five games. I thought it was hilarious. I think in his first three or four games, he had more runs batted in than Luke Maley or Ernie Clement did on the entire season. There is um, ample opportunity on this roster for guys who can drive in runs. Most of the roster is built around contact hitters who reach base, and there are definite corner slots available if you can hit the ball a long way. And the best part, honestly, is that even when he was struggling with the, you know, making solid contact in his last couple games, he was still working good at bats and drawing mm-hmm. walks. And and honestly, a couple of those strikeouts were iffy. Like he was getting the Julio Rodriguez treatment on some of the questionable called strike threes. So, As he continues to draw walks, I think we'll see. Um, yeah, umpires his, might be giving him the benefit of the doubt a little yeah, bit. He's still broke. He just came up. 
I wonder no, sometimes was, if I'm, we'll terrific. squeeze you on purpose just to sort of see what your attitude is when you come up. <laughs> and if you just take it like, okay, fine. Then they're like, cool. He's cool. Okay. We don't have to, who even knows with umps though? Yeah. But no, I, I was extremely pleased with what I've seen out of Nolan Jones so far. I can't wait to see more. I just hope that they find a regular place for him every day. Like I hope he never goes back down. It After... After showing up and doing what he's done so far, you would have to be kind of yeah. disastrous. And, and I hope they don't platoon him. He can hit lefties. Yeah, he sure can. So To uh, put a little Rick Manning emphasis on it by accident, I guess. Oops. <laughs> anyway. Yep. Next up, we got uh, another pitcher, Logan Allen. Uh, not, not the best. It's still interesting, though, because it's... I'll just read the numbers. He started two games... Had an ERA of 8.31 in eight and two thirds innings. Struck out 14 and a half, but also walked more than 10 per nine innings. Uh, that's still a halfway decent strikeout to walk ratio of 1.4, but I'm not sure that that's how you want to get there. Yeah, uh, that's, also, that's been his problem so far is walks since he got promoted up to AAA. He's still missing bats um, and getting a lot of strikeouts, but he is... I think still trying to figure out uh, where that line is, where players are going to take a pitch on the edge, where maybe they were swinging at him before at double A when he was, you know, just destroying everything in his path. So I think this is good for him um, because clearly he has better control than he's shown. I just think that he was, you know, intentionally missing the plate a lot and hoping that guys would chase, and they're not chasing right now. So he needs to figure out. Like honestly, he's given up more walks than hits in uh, in in those two starts combined. So he just needs to kind of figure out where he needs to to play around in the zone and the edge of the zone. And I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I'm not worried. I'm more like, ooh, what's going on? Yeah, because we. In the interview he did with you several years ago now, Shane Bieber indicated that, oh, I, actually, I think I need to start throwing more balls. Yes, flat out loud, he did which, say that. Like, I, I think he accidentally gave up too much pitcher development information <laughs> when he said that, but fine. So I'm wondering, maybe Logan Allen is up to something similar because well, these walks <laughs> have genuinely kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah, like he, I mean, Bieber never he, had a games like this, not even his worst ones. But but he was known for never walking anybody. I mean, he literally would go like weeks without walks. But I, with Logan Allen, and this is still only three starts at AAA, but he's walked 10.6 per nine in those games. And AA this season, in 73 innings, it was 2.7. And the year before that, it was 1.9 and 60 innings. I think is he trying it's going out a new to, pitch? I don't think he's trying out a new pitch. I just think guys aren't chasing his chase pitch right now. Interesting. It, it's crazy to me that you could see that much of a variance. Yeah. But as. I mean, when you're at AAA, the, the hitters are, you know, those are guys that are either prospects about to get called up or they're lifers that have been like 4A guys that, you know, Right. 30 years old playing, you know, their eighth season at AAA or something, you know? so Well, and then along, that guy ends up probably playing 10 or 15 games somewhere, mm-hmm. too. So, so, I mean, you're you're facing guys that have seen 
you know, that pitch. Yeah. So I It'll think be... it, I'm, 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 he's fine. It's, he's going to figure it out. It's just going to be interesting to see how long it takes for him to kind of start to understand that triple A zone. Yeah. On where that line is, where you can still make that guy chase. Maybe it, maybe it's a tunneling thing. Who knows? So I'm, I'm sure he's going to figure it out. He always does. Like he has been our most consistent guy since he's been drafted. It's just, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, to pay attention and, and the next few starts just maybe, I don't know. Sometimes a guy does get promoted to a level and it's like, Oh, not quite there. Cause he has flown through so far. But. Yeah. This is, this is his first real test is of his entire career. <laughs> now the real work begins. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, speaking of guys passing tests, Gavin Williams, my goodness, uh, our first round draft pick last year, got promoted up to double A from high A, and this is his debut at the professional level, and hasn't missed a beat. I mean, two more starts at double A, and... Gave up uh, two runs total. His last start, I think he pitched six shutout innings, either five or six shutout innings. He's just been incredible, absolutely incredible. I, I, I think the only yeah, the only issue is he he is also increasing his walk rate, at but the, the strikeouts of, are there at the expense of what? Like I yeah. guess he has some leeway in his profile to give up that many walks right now. <laughs> it's funny. I in two starts he only gave up three hits. I mean he is. So difficult for people to get a beat on right now in terms of uh, catching up to his stuff. He's actually walked six and given up three hits over those two starts, spanning 9.2 innings pitched. It's like wiffle ball stuff. Uh, next guy on our list is John Kensey Noel, as we noted, also participated in the Futures game. And he, also experienced the, the Futures game slump. They struggled. Yeah, so maybe, maybe it's just the pressure of being announced as a representative of one of the top players in all of minor league baseball. Yeah, maybe but, they were getting razzed all week. Yeah, who knows? But uh, yeah, 103 slash 182 slash 207 over nine games. So he definitely has come back down to earth in terms of a double A after, I'd say, three straight weeks of obliterating people. Yeah. Um, had uh, 11 strikeouts compared to just two walks um, and did get hit by a pitch, but uh, only one home run in his nine games. So slow down, but he is, I believe still leading all of minor league baseball and home runs. So don't forget that. He had two very fun numbers come up in his stats this week. He had a WRC plus of six, just six and a BABIP of 111. So there's that, which is nice. Struck out exactly a third of the time, but but still kind of fun. Anyway, again, Bo Naylor. Yeah, our boy Bo, another really impressive week. I mean, when you have an on-base percentage of 500, that's amazing. It really is. Uh, so he slashed 273, 500, 545. So, and that's at AAA again. Like he is honestly hitting even better at AAA. Then he was at double A and he was doing amazing at double A. Like at this point, he has to be fighting for a starting job to, to begin next year. With the guardians as close as they are in the division 
and a catcher doing this at AAA, regardless of age, it continues to be difficult to justify him not having a chance. I understand there might be development concerns, but we're here to win game. We're here to win games. Yeah, and he's throwing guys out too, like in terms of defense. Always, I has. don't know. I don't know how great his framing is. I, I haven't heard great things about the framing, but everything else defensively, you know, blocking pitches in the dirt, cannon arm. Like he's he even, he's throwing guys out better than Maley or Hedges are. He leaned into three pitches this week too. Yeah, so he actually. In terms of uh, walks plus hit by pitches, had the same amount of strikeouts. So, um, so and his strikeout was actually pretty high this week. It was thirty-one uh, percent, but he walked twenty-two percent and clubbed two home runs. Um, so, I I'd be swinging at everything right now if I was doing that when I made contact. Yeah, he's scorching. He's absolutely scorching. Um, Columbus offense has been insane. <laughs> Um, incidentally, in the past, I've referred to Bo Naylor as a switch hitter. I have no idea why. He bats left-handed. Yeah, he has a lefty. And that wraps up the top ten for this week. I believe we can now proceed to the top five players in the system, regardless of ranking. I'm going to add a sixth because Ooh. it's mystery man number six. We'll, I'll, I have his stats revealed. ready for when uh, we get to him. I'll, he'll be a surprise. So I will kick us off with number one, Mr. Will Benson. He slashed a very fine 343, 465, 771. Yep. That was a WRC plus of 218 at AAA. Monstrous. At AAA. Uh, struck out 25% of the time. Who cares? He walked 18% of the time. Hit four home runs. Three doubles. Stole, stole two bases. Stole a couple bases, yep. He's, he's been amazing. He is literally... The type of player that is just an incredibly hard worker, like he's not just a true, you know, three true outcome guy because he can hit those singles and doubles and then steal bases. And, and like he's not, you know, that prototypical guy that you just expect that's going to walk, strike out, hit a home run. But when he's on base that he's just clogging it up, he is the opposite of that. So constant threat to steal bases. And by the way, if you look it up, apparently he played ping pong against John Boy this past week and absolutely murdered him. I mean, <laughs> he has like John Boy was like in full defense mode the entire time. And he would like bloop a couple back to him and Benson would just spike the hell out of him. Oh, man. Like just off of his face and stuff. Like it's hilarious. That's amazing. I, I know some people have been, I don't know if critical is even the right word, but Benson was a no, pretty... You, it, it was rightful to, to be critical of Benson earlier in his career. Uh, the, the, the hit was not there. It is still not perfect, but it is so much better. He has made so much, he's put so much effort into improving his hit tool, into being more selective on when he swings. Like, the, the the little, you know, stat cast stuff that people really focus in on in terms of the, the real big stat geeks, they are blown away with the development that he's been making at the AAA level. And like the strikeout rate continues to drop. The walk rate is spiking. The contact is hard. 
his speed is insane. Like he's he's a legit threat for 30-30 at the minor league level this year. The only other thing I want to add to your point about strikeout rate, last season when he was at AAA in the 93 at-bats, he saw he had a strikeout rate of almost 40%. Yep. This season in 277, it's 22%. Yeah. That's real work paying. Cut it in half. Yeah. <clears throat> People forget, I think, sometimes that he was the 14th overall pick in the draft back in 2016, a notable draft. Yeah. I mean, that's the Nolan Jones, Shane Bieber, Aaron Savalli, and Zach Playsack draft. So Development is often nonlinear. Not every guy just sort of shoots up through and then becomes a star. Yeah, him, him and Nolan both were, you know, really highly regarded athletes. Mm-hmm. Jones at the time was the better, you know, hitter, and Benson was the better athlete. And <laughs> That's... I really, I, I want to see him at the major league level at this point. I really do. And they're running out of space. <laughs> I mean, you've got Quan doing great. You've got Miles Straw with a contract deal, and now you've got Nolan Jones up there raking. You've got Oscar Gonzalez has performed well. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to do. Somebody has to get traded. Yeah, we have an interesting question. And you've got Will Brennan coming. Again, good problems for And George Valera. Don't forget George Valera. It's a good problem to have, having going from not enough good outfielders to too many. We have said, as these players continue to advance through the system, the consensus on the system is going to flip quick, and it's been fun this season to see it happen. Yeah. Like, pretty much anybody that understands prospects has Cleveland as at least, at worst, I think, like the third best prospect system or minor league system in the game. It's neat. Who is number two on our list? Shocking. Another outfielder. (laughs) Alex Free-Planez. Um, who was on the list last week, I believe, or last podcast, he did finally have his hitting streak end. I think it got up to 27 games, but he still has continued to just torture the ball. Uh, Had a 344, 382, 688 uh, slash line, good for a 190 WRC+. BAPIP was 381, struck out just 22.9% for a power hitting outfielder walk rate this one blew my mind he walked once from april to july and then he walked twice during this past two week stretch so there it is tripled his season walk rate. <laughs> um and then uh hit two doubles three home runs stole a base i mean people were really hyping this guy up a few years ago it he's starting to to live up to that hype like, this is a breakout season that he's having right now. Again, I think you nailed it. I'm going to okay. move on to Reed Johnston. Okay, now Reed Johnston, without looking, do you know where he came from? No. You Honestly, ever even heard is, the name Reed Johnston? This is the first time that he has come to my notice. He was drafted by Cleveland last year. What round would you guess? There were 20 rounds. Given that you're asking, I'm going to say the 17th. 19th round. And And yet. (laughs) And he has just pitched the two games of his life. (laughs) In two starts, he went 13 innings. The first game, he went six innings, struck out 10. 
So he joined that incredible 10 strikeout club that Cleveland minor league pitchers have had this year. And then he followed that up with seven innings, 11 strikeouts and walked one over the both of those games combined. So he had a, a K divided by uh, walks of 21, uh, 0.69 walks per nine innings. The 0.69 ERA allowed just one earned run over those 13 innings pitched. Nice. Electrifying, even. <laughs> I, you cannot really pitch better than that without being perfect. Yep. And he's been doing that at uh, Lynchburg. So uh, yet another impressive 2021 college arm draft pick. Now, I think the next guy on our list was probably the, the slugginess dude in the system. Yeah, Jonathan Rodriguez. Now, if you don't remember him, uh, the year we drafted Tyler Freeman, I think we took, uh, we didn't have a first round pick that year. We took um, Quentin Holmes with our second round pick. We took Tyler Freeman with our second round, like competitive balance pick. And then in the third round, we took Jonathan Rodriguez. And I believe he was the youngest player in that draft. So his development has been slower than, you know, Freeman, who's at AAA right now. But Jonathan Rodriguez is at High A Lake County this season, and he's breaking out. Finally starting to showcase a lot of the power that uh, people said he had the potential to, to have. Um, and over his uh, last two weeks, he played eight games, slashed 375, 412, 844, uh, struck out 26%, walked just 2.9%. But of his 12 hits, he had three doubles and four home runs. That's good. That's really good. I mean, he's just been tattooing balls. Is he doing any interesting designs when he tattoos them? <laughs> Or is he just straight up mashing? Uh, I think more like henna stuff. Ah, uh, see, he's kind of maybe tribal. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, like the numbers are silly. You can't help but like, what's what is an eight forty four slugging percentage? That's yeah. nuts. It is nuts. And then we've got uh, another pitcher. Uh, first time we've called his name this year, but Peyton Battenfield. Uh, he's been at AAA all season. He's actually been our most dependable guy down there. His main issue this year is that he just hasn't been striking people out. But over two games, his last two games, he uh, pitched 14 and two-thirds innings, only allowed three runs on two home runs. <laughs> so, uh, and, and only five hits. So he was just kind of unlucky, pretty much. Um, the main reason I included him, his first start, was okay. I mean, it was a quality, it would have counted as a quality start at the major league level. Mm -hmm. He went six and two thirds innings, gave up three runs on two hits. Both of them were home runs, struck out three, walked five. So whatever, you know, not, not a great start. His last start, however, he went eight shutout innings, six strikeouts, no walks, three hits. Uh, and he had, I believe, a perfect game going into like the fifth or sixth inning. So looks like he's really starting to figure it out. Um, he is not on the 40 man because he doesn't need to be added yet until uh, November. Even if he continues to pitch like this, that might change. Yeah. I mean, on the season, um, his ERA is 2.91 at AAA all year over 18 starts. So, you know. 
this is where I get frustrated with projection systems is you can look at these numbers. I'm just going by the advanced stats here on Fangraphs on his page. His BABIP every single season is microscopic. It's usually below 250. And he's done it every single season in multiple organizations. This is something that he can control. The same thing with his batting averages. They're all below 200 except for this season. So fielding independent pitching numbers are going to say something totally different than the reality because it tends to discount a pitcher's ability to control outcomes. And it's not so much that they can control outcomes, but they can influence them. Mm -hmm. His strikeout rate is abnormally low this year. I mean, throughout his career, it's been over 10 per nine innings. And this year it's 5.98. So I'm not sure what's going on in that department. He might just be, you know, inducing weak contact. I don't remember him being like a sinker baller that just tries to force weak ground outs or weak pop-ups pitching up in the zone. The profile is there regardless. So yeah, again, all of a sudden there's a dramatic change in patterns where walks are up, strikeouts are down for this guy. Is it that AAA is shockingly difficult in this league or yeah, I'm not sure. something else? The mystery continues. I just slammed my hand on the desk. Ow. <laughs> Are you ready for your uh, surprise player of the week? As I continue to wince, yes. <laughs> now, I would not have been thought about this guy because he's been on the Cleveland roster for a good chunk of the season, but he got sent down when Nolan Jones came up. Richard Palacios in he played six games so far at Columbus since he's came down and has been ridiculous, honestly. Um, over those six games, he slashed 409, <laughs> 480, 818. Here's Not known again. for his slugging at the major league level, but hit a home run, two triples and two doubles. Has he been terrorizing the PDLA porch? <laughs> uh, he has three walks and five strikeouts, three stolen bases. I mean, he's doing everything he needs to do to get called back up. I'm going to have a, a breakdown and, and scream promote everybody again. Yet again, happening. another outfielder <laughs> that we need to make a decision on. So... His problem is that he's not slugging at the major league level. Like when he's on in terms of hitting the ball uh, out of the park or off the wall, it's he's, he's staying a little deeper on the ball and going the other way. And he really wasn't doing that enough in Cleveland. I mean, he was still hitting well. I think his, you know, it was over 250 on his batting average, but he just wasn't getting those extra bases. So it'll be... But I mean, he was, he had a role like a late inning pinch hitter guy and he was finding success there. So it'll be interesting to see if he can just continue to improve that slugging at AAA and force Cleveland's hand again, or maybe somebody else will be interested in him and uh, Cleveland makes a big trade. It is interesting that he, given the pinch hitting opportunity, it's his chance. He just goes up, focuses on just that one thing. Great outcomes. Maybe... Thinking in like coach philosophy here, maybe that's when you go, no, no, see, biggest spot in the game, you can do it. Just got to get consistent. Yep. Next up, we've got our corner cupboard, guys. The corner cupboard. So for the people that aren't aware, uh, these are the players that are not 
listed on you know the, the top 20 in the system that we've been following throughout the season that we think have potential. And let's just say that our guys have been doing pretty good. I want to point out that this week, the Corner Cupboard is brought to you by Goodyear Tire, completely unbeknownst to them. Thank you, Goodyear. So uh, my guys, I had uh, Will Brennan. He finally cooled off. I mean, it's been like two straight months or three even straight months of him absolutely raking. Uh, finally had a week where he did not destroy baseballs. Slashed uh, 179, 214, 282. Uh, did hit a home run and a double. Kept the K rate down. You know, it was 11.9%. Just had a really unfor- unlucky BAPIP of a 176 that kind of hindered him. It's a great sign when BABIP is the only thing that can stop you. Yeah. And then uh, how did uh, your hitter do? I picked up Jake Fox um, in exchange for Daniel Schneeman last week, and chaos ensued apparently. But Jake Fox slashed 294, 368, 471. That was a WRC plus of 134. He showed a little bit more power than he has in past stretches, courtesy of four doubles and a triple. And he continues to be a patient hitter who's willing to take walks, so... He continues to be an exciting middle infielder slash dude who can also play center. It's an interesting prospect. Nice. I like it. And then uh, my pitcher, Will Dion, um, in our last podcast, he joined the 10 strikeout club. And this time around, he followed it with a probably his worst outing of the year. Went four and two thirds and gave up five runs on six hits with four walks and just three strikeouts. So that's going to skew his numbers. But then in his Second start, he went five and two-thirds, one run, no walks, ten strikeouts again. So two of his last three starts, he struck out ten batters. I'm willing to look the other way on the bad game. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, he did have one bad game, but he had one amazing game. And uh, I think, like I said last podcast, he should be the next guy up in terms of uh, Lake County getting another uh, starting pitcher. He's been impressive all year and also has one of the cooler nicknames in baseball. So baby Kershaw. Love it. Jack Leftwich has been my corner cupboard pitcher for the duration of the season. He had only one start to report upon, but he pitched six innings, struck out 11, allowed two hits, didn't walk anyone, no runs. Uh, very fine six innings of work. Uh, the one thing that jumped out at me, though, is he hit a batter. And my first thought was, he must fucking hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he did it at high A because he's yeah. been promoted. Uh, there was a very interesting statistic posted. Jack Leftwich leads all qualified minor league pitchers out of every level in full season baseball in whip this season. This is what I mean. Then this hit by pitch shows up and it's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he actually threw at somebody. It's just, I couldn't help it. That's how good he's been. Damn. (laughs) Um, It's been exciting to see him continue just right where he left off in college, basically. No, he hasn't slowed down yet. And so going back to Logan Allen a little bit, there probably will be a point where he hits some sort of wall, which, okay, cool. He's a human being. Interesting. Let us see how he responds to it. But yeah, listen to this. So his whip at 
low A was 0.88, and that was over uh, 60 innings. But since he got promoted, his whip is 0.41 over 12 more innings. So he's he's doing even better after getting promoted, facing better competition. Maybe, Maybe he just likes Ohio. I don't know. It could be. It's a nice place. All that snow. Anyway, we do have some transactions this week that we can go over, I believe, before we transition to some listener questions that, as we've been talking um, this podcast, we've kind of danced around them a little bit. So it'll be fun to bring them back up. Nothing insane, but uh, we will go over the the biggest ones. Uh, One for sure, uh, Carlos Vargas was activated off the 60-day injured list and assigned to AA. So he is... Basically back on the 40-man roster, uh, he'd been doing some rehab, and they had to make uh, room, so they, of course, designated Tanner Tully for assignment for like the third time this year. Uh, and he made it through, and he's back in Columbus. <laughs> uh, we got Kirk McCarty back. He went to the Orioles after we designated him for assignment, and then the Do- Orioles designated him for assignment, and we got Kirk. So good for him. There was a weird situation going on in Lake County where like five of their starting pitchers all got COVID or COVID protocol or something. So they sent like every eligible guy to Lake County to pitch. So I'm not really counting those. Another interesting one was uh, Alex Call getting the call to the major leagues. So we've kind of completely forgotten about him uh, because he hasn't got his first hit yet, I believe. But he is in Cleveland right now. Um, after having another strong outfield performance. Uh, This one's interesting. Quentin Holmes, you know, who we just talked about a little bit earlier, was promoted to Akron from Lake County. And right-hand pitcher Bronny Munoz was promoted to Lake County from Lynchburg. I think the only other interesting thing was Nolan Jones making his uh, MLB debut as well. I like that one. We will roll right into some listener questions. Jamie wants to know, as the org preps for the trade deadline, who seems likely to be moved prospect-wise given the 40-man roster crunch? He also asked what's going on with every pitcher in AAA struggling so bad after a promotion, which I think we sufficiently addressed as we were going through. So thank you very much, Jamie. But uh, to touch base on trades. Uh, Honestly, I think the guys that we need to move are guys that are redundant at this point. And I want to give Adam credit as well. He asked essentially the same question, Uh, although his take on it was, who are the top guys you believe in the least? (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, if I had to make my decision on who our infielders of the future are, I'd go Andres Jimenez. Absolutely. I mean, he has earned it. Mm -hmm. And he's the shortstop of the future, I think. And then you got to think out of all the other guys, you've got a bunch competing for that last spot. I'm going to go Rokio. So that means uh, Owen Miller is tradable. That means Arias is tradable. That means Tyler Freeman is tradable. So I think that. And then uh, in terms of outfielders, <laughs> this is where it gets tough because we've got like 10 outfielders now mm-hmm. that are all double A or higher and all knocking on that door. So, you know, it comes down to how much do they believe in all of these guys? Uh, I feel like as much as I love Palacios, 
the skill set is redundant with like Miles Straw and Stephen Kwan, but somebody would love him. I mean, the guy can hit, so and he can work a count. Like he is a professional hitter at this point. So I think Palacios is probably uh, tradable. I mean, I don't think you can trade Miles Straw at this point uh, because when he's on. He's an on-base machine, a terror on the base paths, and uh, one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. Currently having his best season defensively as well. And I know Kwan hasn't shown a ton of power, but I mean, on-base machine, right now, I think he could win a gold glove for his work he's done in left field. Yeah, you said he hasn't shown much power, and my first thought was, neither did Kenny Lofton. I'm not saying that yeah, Kwan but is of left that field. Caliber, he's, but... he's playing the position Albert Bell used to play is the problem. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> like you want and some it, power there. You do want some power there. And we've got guys that do have power. Left field. Yeah. And we've got guys with power in Benson, in Jones, in Oscar Gonzalez, in Noel, in Valera. So are you really going to have Straw and Quan taking up two of your three outfield spots for the foreseeable future? They're going to have to make a decision on that because we've got a lot of guys that can hit home runs knocking on the door. I don't know. And I'm the biggest Stephen Kwan stand, but maybe they make, you know, some crazy decision there too. I don't know. Or, or with straw. I don't know. Maybe move Kwan to center. That's a possibility as well. Kwan, I think has the versatility and quickness to make it happen out there. But would he be your best defensive center fielder? No. Like I said, a lot of tough decisions. Because at this point, you've got, uh, let's see here, in terms of outfielders, you've got Quan, Straw, Jones, Alex Call, Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brennan, Richard Palacios, Will Benson, George Valera, John Kenzie Noel. That's 10 guys, all at double A or higher. It's a little funny to me that Daniel Johnson had fairly vocal supporters on Twitter, and there's like 10 guys right now that deserve at least that, <laughs> I think. like it, it, And they're all kind of at similar points in development, so I think it's natural to start looking around going, uh, car seat's four, <laughs> what are we doing? As to who you would move... That's the thing. It gets tricky. For me, I would want to try to move players who I think are the least likely to have a higher trade value than they do at this time. And so that might be someone like Rosario. But if you move him, like I posted earlier today in the roundtable, like you can't get it wrong. But they do have a few options to make sure that they don't. So I'm starting to wonder if Maybe there's a little bit more time to make a trade here than we think, or if they're going to sort of just continue to do it piece by piece and sort of reshuffle in prospects and an occasional major league piece. I don't know. They have so many cards, they can kind of decide what they want to do with them now, which you feel weird reaching for metaphors when you're talking about baseball stuff. And I'm not trying to discount the fact that these are people's lives, but I don't know. And... While the depth isn't there at this exact moment in terms of like AAA ready to fill in the gaps, you got to start thinking about uh, trading away pitchers too. Mm -hmm. Like current MLB pitchers, like who of those starting five 
are you, do you think should stick around long term? I mean, at this point, Bieber and McKenzie are my only two that are a hundred percent safe. Because you've got, you know, like we said, Logan Allen, Curry, Gavin Williams, Espino, uh, Cantillo, uh, Tanner Burns, all knocking on the door. Battenfield. Man, the right answer is to trade like Bieber, and like right in asterisk or not asterisks in I can't even say the right thing because it sucks so much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like organizationally, long term thinking. This is what you have to do given the payroll constraints. But like, I'd also like to see Shane Bieber pitch in Cleveland forever. <sighs> so I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Like, cause like I said, we have so much depth that somebody's got to go. <laughs> cause you know, we, we barely survived a roster crunch this past season and we got lucky because there was no rule five draft. We would have lost you know, we could have lost Oscar Gonzalez, Will Benson, and Joey Cantillo. I'm dead serious. I think they realized there wasn't going to be one and just decided, ooh, we can cheat. No, they didn't because they saved 11 people. That's a record. <laughs> and a lot of them were lower, like on the totem pole, like Tana and Noel hadn't even reached double A yet. Who were the ones that were left off again? Uh, Oscar Gonzalez, Will Benson, Cantillo was the biggest prospect at the time. That's information about what they thought about the players at the time, too, though, yeah. right? And Benson hadn't made that jump yet either in terms of, like, he's needs to be saved at this point. Yeah, maybe getting left off the list is what he needed to motivate him. You never know. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm not saying the organization. I mean, they've left him off purpose. the list for three years now. Oh. Well, thank you for pointing that out. Like, same with Gonzalez. It's just now they're very close. I hope that we either answered or danced around it sufficiently. (laughs) We do have one more question from Jeff. How does the organizational shift to high contact hitters over the past couple of years affect internal evaluations of prospects whose carrying tool is power? He cites Planez Noel as some examples. Or is it all in a vacuum per prospect? Honestly, it might make Noel expendable. Like a lot of people really love those home run numbers, but... You know, I'm a little concerned about the the increase in strikeout rate and the walk rate declining as he's gone up. So, I mean, being named to the Futures game, leading all the minor league baseball in home runs, he could definitely be a guy that they, uh, you know, dangle out there for a trade. Uh, it definitely seems like Cleveland has, like, if you look at the draft, and I don't know how much we're going to talk about the draft coming up here, because uh, we've gone quite a pretty long already. Uh, but Every like offensive position player that they drafted was like walking more than they struck out. Every every single one of them all season at, at the college level. So against good college pitchers. So I think uh, that they you know aren't extremely high on those uh, types of players that don't walk much. So uh, I think that's why it took Oscar Gonzalez so long to get the call up in the first place. But it was also after he made a very, you know, big adjustment to his approach. Like watching him play at the major league level, he worked counts a lot better than I thought he would. I mean, he, he drew a walk against Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> so, you know, it, it can still be something that they can add to their game as well. Uh, yeah, I, I do think that Cleveland might not value that as highly. So it, it might make those players expendable. I have a sense that in the 
organizational philosophy powers stashed at corners. And that isn't to say that if you have a second baseman or a shortstop who can nuke the ball, you're going to say no. But looking at how things have been progressed throughout the organization, it seems like right and left, third and first, are where they want guys who can mash. So it's the traditional power positions. It's not news to anyone. But given the fact that everybody's getting on base so much, Ramirez has unlimited opportunities for RBIs right now. And so does Nolan Jones as someone else who, when they get up, not only are they getting on base to your point, but they can nuke the ball if you leave it over the plate. So that's where I start eyeing where certain players might get slotted long-term. And to your point earlier, I think it's fair to wonder, like, is Quan going to stay in left? Because if he is that good defensively, maybe it's worth it to play him in center. But then what do you do about straw? Is $5 million a year worth a fourth outfielder? I'm not saying they're going to do that to him, but I, what are they doing? <laughs> it just feels like something needs to happen eventually. And maybe to what extent are we currently overvaluing some of these guys? Because it seems like the whole system is hot. I think that might be a fair thing to ask too. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot to, in terms of who they're going to move. Like, I don't know how you make that decision. Like they've got all the numbers. They've got all the, you know, extra stuff from the people that see these guys behind the scenes every day and how hard they work and all that little stuff, all the intangibles. They've got a lot more information than we do. Like we've got stats. (laughs) That's about it. And we've got, you know, injury history and, you know, a lot of the very basics and it's, I, I just don't have enough information to make those types of decisions, honestly. And I suppose the other option available is you could trade them all for Juan Soto if you wanted. Should you? I mean, uh, you could. Uh, it, it just depends if they think uh, they'll win a World Series in the next two years. Yeah, it's a, a large bet to place. But they could win a World Series in the next two years with the talent they currently have. In the Also moment. true. <laughs> So maybe you just go all in. Uh, I don't know. Well, that does wrap it up for this week. We do want to bring you some draft analysis as well, but we ended up going fairly long this week. Um, So we will let you know when that coverage is coming, if it comes sooner than two weeks from now, or if it comes two weeks from now. Who knows? Uh, Brian, I do have one last thing from a man named E.E. Gammings, if I may share it. Oh, please do. <clears throat> Braves gardener Groof around Cleety is expected to be one of the stablest names in the rules for draft. 